Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. Now, my Bible says Gerasenes. This is New Living Translation. Your Bible may call this the Decapolis, or it may call it the Ten Cities. Um, let me give you some background on this region that's going to really help us. This was a region that was ten cities, ten anonymous city-states that were Greek. They were under Roman rule, but they were still majority of Greek people living there. This is one of the very few places that Jesus ever went to that Jews were not in the majority. So he's going to a, they would call, pagan location. And he, and he took some pains to get there. Mark chapter 4 is intense teaching where he gives several parables. And then at the end of Mark 4 is him calming the storm. They had to cross the lake and he, they made it through that storm to get to this region of the Decapolis, of the Ten Cities, of the Gerasenes, whatever you want to call it. So they took some pains to get there. Jesus went there on purpose to a place that would have been frowned upon for him even to go. Because the Jewish people looked down upon the Greeks, looked down upon the pagans. They worshipped Zeus. They worshipped Poseidon. They did all this crazy stuff. The Jews would have said, stay away from that place. Jesus went to this place willingly. So it kind of would, it kind of would be like a, like a uh, Viking going into wildcat territory willingly. If we can think about that here. And before, you, before I hear some snide remarks about me, if you know me, so I was teaching at Vanasta High. I defected and went over to Lowndes High. Just because of how I spell the word loyalty, I spell the word loyalty, P-A-Y-C-H-E-C-K. Not everybody got that. Go back and, and look at the video. Um, kind of the same thing, okay? That he's going into a region that people would not have wanted to go to, that would have been countercultural. So verse two, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. I want to take a minute and just look at a couple of things about this man. Jesus has entered into the Decapolis. First thing, he comes upon a cemetery. He comes upon a man who's demon-possessed. And the guy, nobody can help him. One thing that we can notice about this man, excuse me, is that he's shackled and chained. And even when he breaks them, more inevitably come. So one thing that we can learn from him is that if we have chains in our life, if we have shackles, if we have obstacles, if we have things that push us down, if we're trying to break them on our own, they will inevitably come back. Another one will be right around the corner. So this is kind of like, you, you may have known a person like this that gets out of an alcohol addiction and gets into a pornography addiction gets out of a gambling addiction and gets into some other kind of addiction, okay? That he's trying to do this on his own, and it's not working for him. 
Another thing about this man is that he's, his environment, it's a cemetery. It's a cemetery in a pagan land. So he's like the lowest of the low. He's living among the dead. So we can say that we reflect our surroundings. I think all of us might agree with that, that the surroundings, the environment that we put ourselves in will inevitably come out in ourselves. If you put yourself around negative people, you'll start to be a negative person, okay? Same thing here. He has put himself around dead things, so he himself has become dead. I I was doing a... um, I might, I might get in trouble for this one. Um, I, I was doing a research, read an article um, last week, I think it was, about couples. And why couples, um, if you ever notice, couples that, that are, have been together for a while, they start to look alike. And there's, there's research that has actually proven this, that they start to look alike because they're watching the same TV shows. So they're smiling at the same time or they're frowning at the same time, and, and they're having the same conversation. So that's why over time you develop the same facial structure, you develop the same wrinkles, so to speak. And so couples do end up looking alike. And so that kind of solidifies this. I, I don't know if that's going to happen with me and my wife. Elizabeth, wave your hand. Hey. So Elizabeth, um, we don't look anything alike. <laughs> I'll go to... Um, <laughs> I'll go to like family meetings with Elizabeth's family and it's like, I stand out like an Oreo in a rice bowl. I mean, <laughs> not, not really the same, but maybe, maybe we'll start to look alike someday. But that kind of just backs up the point that you start to reflect your environment. That the, the man put himself around dead things and so he reflects dead things. Okay, let's keep on going. We're at verse six. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? Notice he calls him by name, son of the most high God, and he gives him a title. In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, well, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Stop there for a second. I don't want to spend too much time on verses 6 to 13. We could really bank there for a while. But I just want to highlight a couple of things before moving on. Is first thing here, Jesus addresses the identity of the man or the identity of the demons. He says, what is your name? Name equals identity. Like, we each have a name that was given to us. The Bible says in Revelation that we have a name that only God knows. So we have an identity, and these demons had a name. They had an identity that Jesus hit on, that Jesus, that's where he started. He says, okay, what's your name? And notice how they address him. I just find this really interesting that, first off, they they know Jesus as well. They know his name, even though Jesus asked them 
their name. He, he, they know his name. They know who he is. And then they label him as the most high God. But then they use words that we wouldn't normally associate with God. They use words like torture and interference. So it just shows that perspectives change, that we have the perspective of Jesus being kind, Jesus being pure, of Jesus being holy, and he is those things. But the demons have the perspective of torture and interference. Then they ask to go into these pigs. Just a little side point. These pigs are just further confirmation that this is a pagan region, that, that this is not a Jewish area. <laughs> the Jewish people would not have herds of pigs, okay? They're not allowed to touch them. They're not allowed to eat them. So this just shows that this is a pagan area, and the demons inside of a pagan man want to go inside of a pagan creature, and then they go off the cliff. Let's keep on going, building to a point. Verse 14. Verse 14 is key. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. That's the the pig herdsmen. People rushed out to see what had happened. I'm sorry, verse 15 is the key. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd, the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Key point here is after the man is healed, what does he do? He sits down and he has a conversation with Jesus. This is going to be very important later on when Jesus comes back. He sits down and he has a conversation. Now, we know that a good conversation, well, we may not know because conversations today look like this, but a good conversation is speaking and listening, speaking and listening, right? So we can assume that this man was speaking and listening to Jesus, perfectly, perfectly sane, fully clothed conversation with Jesus. Now, the people come up, and they tell Jesus to get out of Dodge. They say, you need to get out of here. We're afraid of you. Leave. Okay? So the man accepts Jesus, but the people don't. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat to leave, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. This marks the end of Jesus' first visit to the Decapolis, to the ten cities. And where it ends is a faithful servant is redirected. I don't want to use as harsh of a word as rejected, but it could, it could be read that way, that this man wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no. This would have been a faithful disciple. Why would Jesus not want a faithful disciple to come along with him? We know that his own disciples would not not be quite so faithful not too long after this. Here is a faithful man that Jesus says, no, I want you to stay here. 
And he's sending him into a population that is a rejected-minded population. So he rejects or redirects this man to a people that just rejected Jesus. They told Jesus to leave, to get out. Okay? Let's flip over. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 6 is when Jesus goes. He actually goes home to Nazareth. He travels around to Tyre and Sidon. He does some more traveling. Mark chapter 7, he comes back. He comes back to the Decapolis. There's a, um, there's a time lapse here. Mark 7, verse 31 is where we're going to be. And we have to remember what's been going on in the Decapolis as he's been gone. A faithful disciple was given a mission to go and tell the good news of Christ. That man, that demon-possessed man that was healed. That guy's been telling the good news all this time. So Mark 7, 31, Jesus comes back. He does what I did not like to do. What I do not like to do is go back to the same place. Jesus goes back. And here's what he finds. Mark 7, 31. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people... The people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephthatha, which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear He could hear, he could hear perfectly. And his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and give speech to those who cannot speak. A couple of key points to make on Jesus' second visit. He returns to the same region, but a different people. They are changed. He comes back to this same area, and they're not shying away. They don't say, I thought we told you to get out. which is something you, 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 might hear, you might hear a lot from an educator. I thought I told you to put that pencil down, you know, something like that. <laughs> I thought I told you to put that cell phone away. But no, they didn't, they didn't say that. They said, hey, Jesus is here. Here's a deaf man. Let's bring him to him. That faithful disciple, that demon-possessed man did his job. He did his job. He was redirected And you know, when we get redirected, we can get mopey. When we get redirected, we can be like, oh, nobody loves me. God didn't give me that promotion. God didn't give me the house that I wanted. Oh, woe is me. Not that guy. That guy went and did his job. He did his job. And now Jesus came across a changed people and an opportunity to heal a man. But still, we see some discrepancies here. Notice how Jesus, first off, what he has to do is get the man alone. 
He has to get him away from the people. And notice that right before he heals him, it says that Jesus sighs. And that's because Jesus knew what was coming next. You may have picked up on the irony of this, but Jesus healed a deaf man and then the people didn't listen. Jesus healed a man that couldn't hear, had no hearing. Jesus heals this and he tells the people, don't tell anybody and they don't listen. So we've got a man who with with the physical ears have been opened, but we've got a people that still don't listen. A people that are just as deaf as that man was 30 seconds ago. A couple of things I want to point out about our two men. We see two men and 10 cities. Two men and 10 cities. Each one reflects or represents the population behind them. Our first man, notice that he was living among the dead. He was chained to immorality. This is, this is a side note, by the way. Um, him being chained to immorality. We saw that the herd of pigs were there. Most people, most scholars believe that this was the area that the prodigal son ran to. Because if you think about the, the story of the prodigal son, that he says that he went to a distant land and he worked and he worked for a guy who had pigs and he just wanted to, to eat the, the pig mash if he could. So this is a, a, an immoral land. So that first guy living among the dead represents the 10 cities. That This is a dead place. This is the place the prodigal ran off to. This is a dark, dark place. And yet that first man shows the, the potential that this region could have had. That that guy sat down, had a conversation with Jesus, and changed. The people had that same potential. But the second man shows us what they, where they ended up. The second man shows us that they were willing to accept what Jesus can do but they were unwilling to accept who Jesus is. They all, they brought him bells and whistles. Heal this man, Jesus is here, heal this man. But when the signs and the wonders and the miracles stop, the listening stops. They don't listen anymore because they're only concerned with what Jesus can do and not who Jesus is. They have their physical healing but they don't have spiritual healing, hearing. <clears throat> so I've said all of this to get to three points, three main points about listening, because that's the main difference, guys. The main difference between the, the, the first guy and the people with the second guy is listening. Listening. I don't have to say it, but we know it, that there's a big difference between listening and hearing, right? Well, I want to flesh this out even more and maybe get to an even, even deeper nugget of truth there. So three main points that, that I want to pull out here. They'll be pretty quick, but I think that they are important. First point 
is that we listen to what we love. We listen to what we love. The first man didn't know a darn thing about Jesus. He had just met him. He couldn't tell you Jesus' favorite cereal, probably Frosted Flakes. He he couldn't have told you Jesus' mother's name. He couldn't have told you anything about Jesus. He just had a brief conversation. Jesus redirects him, and the guy goes and does it. That's love. He listened to Jesus because he loved Jesus. That's where it came from. For some scripture reference, let's look over at uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 marks some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. They they are my favorite, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Now, before I lose you, I know the word listen and hear don't appear anywhere in there. But it talks about focus. It talks about focusing on Jesus. Verse 2 says, another translation says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing speaks to attention. Attention speaks to listening. Good, deep listening has your attention. So what this this passage is saying is that there are people watching us. That's verse one. There are people that are watching you. Coworkers, children, students, teachers, people at Walmart. You know people at Walmart are watching you. (laughs) There are people watching you. But we need to listen, focus on Christ. We need to listen to him. And I like how it points out that we're running a race. I think I've said this before. Running is one of those things that you can't, it's impossible, absolutely impossible to do by accident. Nobody runs by accident. You don't see somebody running on the side of the road and you stop them and say, why are you running? And they'll be, they won't be like, I didn't realize I was doing that. I don't know. It's impossible. Everybody runs for a reason. You're either running from a bear or you're running to a piece of chocolate cake or something, okay? Running is for a reason. Listening is the same way. You never listen by accident. You can hear by accident, but you can't listen by accident. Listening requires focus. It requires attention. Something that my wife will tell me sometimes. You're not listening to me. I don't want to paint you in a bad light, but (laughs) I don't always listen. Listening requires focus. And we will always listen to what we love. Point number two. We listen to what we love. We love what we choose. We love what we choose. 
Now, I'm not talking about infatuation. I'm not talking about attraction. I'm not talking about lust or desire. I'm talking about love. Now, we've got a, a, a misconception our, in our world of what love is. We think love is a feeling. We think love is going on a date. We think love is batting your eyes. We think love is a wedding day. Love is a choice, okay? Love is a choice. So we will love or we will choose what we love. Simple as that. I am uh, another thing that I don't openly always admit. I am an Atlanta Falcons fan. <coughs> Sometimes it's hard to get that out. I am an Atlanta Falcons fan, okay? So, uh, yes, I watch the Falcons. I love the Falcons. I watch the draft. Uh, I kick something when they do something stupid. And I watch, uh, I watch the games, and my mood sadly can be connected to the games that when they inevitably blow it at the end, I, I just get mad the rest of the day. I love the Atlanta Falcons, but realistically, that is a choice. I could choose not to watch them. I could choose to, to throw them away. I could choose to go and be a Patriots fan like everybody else in the world, okay? I could choose that, but I choose to, to stay the course. I, I choose to stay the course, knowing that I'm going to receive a, a, a crown of faith at the end. <laughs> I choose to love the Atlanta Falcons, okay? So we listen to what we love. We love what we choose. That, that, that speaks to priorities, really. That if I love something, I'm going I'm to prioritize it. If I love my wife, I'm going to prioritize her. If I love my daughter, I'm going to prioritize her, okay? That's a choice. Third point. Third point. It's kind of the, the culmination of where I've been going. We listen to what we, I'm, I repeat myself a lot. We listen to what we love. We love what we choose. We choose what we hear. We choose what we hear. This may be my last point, but this is the first step. It may be a little surprising. I established early on that listening and hearing are not the same thing. They are, they're not the same thing. Let's be clear about that. But hearing is the first step. Hearing is the first step. What I mean is that listening is contingent upon hearing. Hearing is not dependent upon listening. I can hear without listening, but I can never listen until I have heard. It's impossible. I can never, to, I can never listen to something that I've never heard before. What I mean by this is that we have to put ourselves in postures of hearing first. Knowing that, yes, I need to listen. Yes, I need to apply. Yes, I need to choose. But if I'm not hearing, the rest of those cards fall down. If I'm not hearing, nothing else matters. So I have to put myself in a posture of hearing. We know that Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Turn with me, last verse I got. Second to last verse, I'm sorry. 
not to get your hopes up. Second and last verse, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. I won't read this whole thing. It's a pretty familiar parable. It's the parable of the farmer scattering seed. And Jesus tells this parable to the crowd of a farmer who throws out seed. And some of it lands on rocky soil. Some of it is eaten up by the birds. Some of it doesn't make it. And he tells it to the crowd, and the crowd's confused, and the disciples are confused. So the disciples come back, and they say, what does this mean? So Jesus breaks it down. Let's start in verse 11. Let's start there. Luke 8, 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear. Those who what? Hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. Verse 15 is my moneymaker. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a harvest. Cling to it. We can summarize into listen. Those that get the seed and produce the fruit are those that hear, that's step number one, and listen. We know James talks about this, same thing. Don't be like the man who looks into the mirror, goes away and forgets what he saw. We have to hear and cling Listen, hear, and listen. Where I'm going to end is Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> Try to bring it all the way around. Acts chapter 9 is the conversion of Paul. And, I mean, this is the, the midweek crowd, so we probably know all about Paul, that he was a Gentile pagan. He would have fit in in the, in the Decapolis, who was persecuting Christians. And he's on his way to Damascus. You know where Damascus is located? You know those 10 cities? Damascus is one of them. And Paul's headed there. He's headed to this region that that first guy has been preaching up, that those people have seen. Now, remember, they don't, they don't listen. They heard, but they don't listen. And Paul is struck by 
a light from Christ. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? I want you to be my disciple. Go to Damascus, where a man named Ananias will pray for you, and you'll receive your sight. Paul became blind. I just want to pull out one verse from here, verse 11. This disciple, Ananias, living in Damascus, living in that ten-city region, gets a message from God, and God tells him that Paul is coming. Saul at the time tells him that he's coming. And Ananias is like, no way. This guy's a persecutor. This guy's a killer. I don't want anything to do with him. And here's how God responds in verse 11. The Lord said, speaking to Ananias, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a a man, excuse me, from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. He is praying to me right now. He is praying to me right now. What that tells me is that Saul heard Jesus' call and he listened. He repeated it to himself. Remember my third point? That you choose what you hear. You got to put yourself in a posture of hearing. If you don't hear it anywhere else, you got to hear it from yourself. If you're hearing negativity at work, if you're hearing negativity at school, if you're hearing negativity at home, at the very least, hear something different from yourself. Paul praying to me right now. Paul was praying that same thing that he had heard. Same thing that he had heard. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.